And Dr. Robert Marshall joins us live this afternoon. Doctor, thanks so much for your time. Great to talk to you this afternoon. We appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you. I know people uh, have heard your name before, not the first time you've made a run for office, but uh, please start by just reintroducing yourself to our listeners. Tell us a bit about your background and why you were running for the United States Senate. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, I'm a physician, uh, I'm a Vietnam veteran, father of four. I live in a small town about 30 miles southwest of Chicago, Burr Ridge. I was elected to the Board of Trustees there. So I have some uh, political experience. I've run for office before, and uh, now I'm, I, I, was, I ran as a Democrat before, mainly because I'm opposing these wars in the Mideast. And, uh, and one of the main reasons why I came back to the Republican Party is because of President Trump. He has a, a plan for uh, getting us out of all these wars, and he's carrying that plan out. And uh, that's uh, one of the main reasons why I'm supporting him. I'm a hundred percent. My platform is basically uh, the same as President Trump's. I'm a hundred percent behind him, uh, finishing the wall on the southern border, uh, Supreme Court justices, tax reform, uh, tort reform, uh, everything. Uh, I'm one hundred percent in support of him. Uh, one of the main other main reasons I'm running is because I'm a, a gun owner. I'm a life member of the NRA, and I'm sort of fed up was being blamed and taxed for something or different things that I have nothing to do with. I'm not at fault at all. And that's what they're doing. They're passing all these laws and taxes uh, to to, uh, put the screws to gun owners. And we have nothing at all to do with uh, the crime and things that are going on in this country. So that's another reason why another reason why I'm running for this office. I, I can but, I I want to clarify one point. You you said that you uh, you ran as a Democrat previously because of your right. concern about the the Middle Eastern wars. But you ran as a Democrat for governor of Illinois, who has literally right. nothing at all to do with whether we go to war in the Middle East or not. Why did you run for governor of the state as a Democrat if that was your your main reason for moving to that party temporarily? Well, that was the governors do have some power, but the other actually, you're right. The, one of the main reasons I ran for governors is because I wanted to introduce this new kind of this new idea I had. It's a statewide idea of dividing Illinois up into smaller states. Uh, I think it should be just divided up into two or three states. You know, Chicago and the suburbs would be its own separate state, and then downstate, all the rest of it would be a a, a brand new state. And and the, the go running for governor would be a it's a statewide office, and I and this gave me an opportunity to, to introduce this idea statewide. And unfortunately, couldn't, in the Democratic have... Party, there's, there's no. I found out there's actually almost no support for this. I wound up getting one uh, percent of the vote, and I said, "Well, the Democratic Party is not for me anymore. It's way too liberal anyway." So I uh, changed parties, for, like I said for. President Trump, and also I think I hope there's more support for this in the Republican Party to divide this state up. And I, as I go around the state, I think I'm I'm right. Uh, there, there's a pretty uh, solid uh, support for this to divide the state up among the Republicans. And you've you've floated that idea mainly as a way to address our pension crisis here in Illinois. We have a lot of state workers here in Springfield, a lot of teachers listening. What does that mean for them? If you were somehow able to achieve this plan, split Illinois into three states, each one would start over with a new constitution, what does that mean for, for their pensions that they've been promised? 
Well, a lot of these pensions are extremely high, and they're over $100,000 a year. And the average person in this the average family makes fifty to $60,000 a year. So many of these pensions are just over-promised. They're very extremely high, and I think they should be, uh, you know, re, uh, redone over or re, uh, re- renegotiated. And, um, and the people who, the majority of people getting pensions of thirty or 40000 would be in better shape because the whole system would be uh, more sound and more fiscally responsible. Uh, right now, the taxpayers are really getting clobbered with all these pensions, and uh, I think there needs to be reform. Talking with Dr. Robert Marshall, Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate. Uh, The big issue right now in the country is how the nation is dealing with coronavirus. As a physician, if you were in the United States Senate right now, what would you be proposing? What legislation would you seek or what action should the government take to deal with this? Well, we just need more uh, facilities to do testing. We need to speed up Vaccines. Uh, I don't see why it would take a year to to get a vaccine. Uh, that's the uh, ultimate defense against this uh, is a vaccine. Uh, we need to, you know, limit the exposures uh, throughout the country. So, are you are you are you proposing then loosening the testing requirements on a vaccine before we start giving it to people? I mean, it takes a year because generally doesn't it take that long to thoroughly test a vaccine to make sure it's effective and doesn't cause unintended side effects? Well, the side effects of this virus is going to be worse than that. I think you know there's a high death rate with it. If it it's a very virulent virus, and I don't see why they couldn't uh, loosen some of these rules and make the vaccine available faster. I mean, <laughs> the consequence of the, the, the viral infection is pretty terrible by itself. Uh, are you uh, happy with the Trump administration's response to, to this issue? Do you think they have done what they needed to do in a timely fashion? I do. I'm very satisfied. I mean, uh, when he didn't, when he acted, when he acted a few weeks ago, the the virus is just starting. I mean, there was really a handful of people in this country. So he's not late or anything like that, and it's not an under-response. I think he's doing a very good job. Let's talk about immigration. I know that's a, a big right. issue for you. Uh, what would mm-hmm. you change? What uh, new laws or approaches would you take to address the immigration issue in the United States if you were a senator? Well, I'm 100% in support of President Trump. We should face the wall our southern border, secure our borders, especially the southern border. I would have three criteria for immigrants, and I'm not anti-immigrant, by the way. We do need immigrants to come in, immigrants to come into the country. We need specialized people, you know, especially in medicine, by the way. But I would have three criteria that I would use. The people coming in should love us, first of all, like President Trump says, and they not want to blow us up. Number two, they should be able to support themselves to a minimal degree, so they're not on our welfare rolls. And then the third thing I would like to add is that they should be able to speak English to a minimal degree, or at least willing to to learn. And actually, I think English should be the official language of this country. We have a big problem in the medical industry with people who can't speak English. We we can't communicate with them, and you know it's hard to. Uh, help people medically if you can't communicate with them. 
Uh, the uh, administration uh, just recently signed what is ostensibly a first step in a peace deal with the Taliban to end mm-hmm. a, a long war in Afghanistan. And as you've noted here, you're very outspoken against these Middle Eastern wars. Let me ask you, what was it a mistake to go into Afghanistan in the first place? Should we not have launched the strike against them in the weeks after 9-11? Well, that's, that's not, I wouldn't be against that. I mean, I, we had to do something strong, and I and I think we, should, we we were right to do that. But I don't see any reason why we should continue to stay there for as, for as many years as we did. Once we got rid of Bin Laden, I, I, don't, I don't see any reason why we should continue to hang around uh, like we've been doing. Uh, we've, you know, close to 8,000 men have been killed in all these wars throughout the Mideast, and some uh, estimations I've seen will go up to $5 trillion for the total cost. And in the Iraq war, I'm completely against that. I never uh, felt that that was a a justified war, so I'm glad we're getting out of all these wars. Can we trust the Taliban? Do you expect they will live up to their end of any agreement? Well, they, they may not, but we can still... Uh, monitor them uh, while not being in the country. We can monitor what they do. Uh, you know, we have satellites and everything. And if, uh, if another, you know, if they try something again, we can we can take good action without being without having troops stationed in the, in the country. You mentioned uh, your your support of the NRA and your uh, belief that that gun owners uh, are being unfairly persecuted. We've obviously yeah. had, of course, uh, a number of very uh, serious mass shootings around the country, including some here in Illinois in recent years. Are there any changes to gun laws that you would support, to, or any actions you would take to try to address some of those concerns? Well, I don't think we need any more laws. Well. Like- we have enough as it is. What we need to do is go after the go after the perpetrators. I think we should eliminate the Floyd card. There's only three states in the country that have a Floyd card, and they're using that as a tool to take guns away. They're increasing the cost. They're increasing taxes. They're increasing regulations, and and they're possibly going to require a million dollars in insurance. I mean, most gun owners can't afford that. And an awful lot of men will say, well, I, I just can't afford to own a gun anymore. And so it's the whole thing is a big, uh, big plan to deprive us of our guns. And this is a violation of the Second Amendment, in my opinion. The primary is one week from tomorrow, and you are competing for the votes of Republicans who know that you ran as a Democrat for governor just two years ago. How do you persuade no. them that you are better than your four opponents uh, to be the person to take on Dick Durbin in November? Yeah, well, while I was running as a Democrat, I kept all of my conservative uh, philosophies, you know, Second Amendment, uh, pro-life, uh, taxes, and uh the main thing I was running on was dividing the state up, and um, everybody told me that I'm running in the wrong party. I'm running in the wrong party, and actually they were they were right. I think I'm better than the other opponents because number one, I'm a I come from the private sector. I'm not a lifelong government employee like my main opponent, opponents are, and my platform reflects that. I'm against the progressive income tax, the, the federal tax, plus the state. Progressive tax too. I'm for tort reform. I'm for pension reform. We talked about that. I'm for term limits too. Uh, six, eight years for a congressman and twelve years for a senator. 
And these are big differences between me and the other people, and uh, I think that's why I'm the better candidate. Dr. Robert Marshall, if people want to learn more about your candidacy or the issues you're running on, how do they do so? My website is citizenforrobertmarshall.net. Citizensforrobertmarshall.net. Dr. Robert Marshall is one of the five Republicans seeking the nomination in next week's primary to challenge incumbent Dick Durbin in November. Dr. Marshall, thanks for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you.